to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. This episode is part of a special series about the Backloo Trail region of Newfoundland and Labrador. Join us as we explore the hidden gems of the Backloo Trail, from stories of phantom ship sightings to local art and history. I'm your host, Natalie Dignam. In today's episode, I'm talking with Eileen Matthews. Eileen lives and works in New Perlican. She creates unique arts and crafts for her business, Narrow Hand-Painted Designs. Eileen is also an active member of the New Perlican Heritage Committee. In today's episode, Eileen talks about how Newfoundland scenery inspires her art and some recent heritage projects in New Perlican. Listeners may know the small community for their colorfully painted stages. Picturesque New Perlican is not to be missed if you are taking a drive along the Backloo Trail. Eileen Matthews, and uh, I'm retired. I'm a retired banker after 35 years. I retired to New Perlican in 2007, where my husband is from, and I'm from the neighboring community of Hearts Content. So we always wanted to retire sort of like around the bay, and uh, we picked New Perlican, and we've been here ever since. So after I was retired for a couple of years, well, more than a couple of years, really, um, I decided I was going to take up artwork and I'd always dibbled a little bit, but I just didn't have time in my previous life. And um, so I started painting. First of all, I started painting on rocks and then it just progressed from there. And uh, my inspiration has been the, well, now 21 colorful stages. There were 17 colorful stages, fishing stages when I started. So they were kind of my inspiration, and I love Newfoundland outport scenes and the mummers, the row houses in St. John's. Like I, I paint a lot of that um, and various scenes, but they have, I don't know that I've painted one except Santa Claus that doesn't have water in it. I love the water and the seaside and the outports, you know? So I, I really stick to that in my artwork. And I paint on glass, canvas, wood, slate, that type of thing. So your um, business is called uh, Narrow Hand Painted Designs. Can you talk about the name? The name came, um, I thought about setting up the business instead of just painting and giving it away and that kind of thing, you know. And uh, so I started trying to figure out what would be a unique name, you know. So I fooled around with our five grandkids, their first initials, and I came up with, it sounded better with N-E-R-R-L. So it's Noah, Emma, Ruby, Ryan, and Lilla, Nero. So that's where Nero comes from. So you've already mentioned uh, that you're really inspired by the outports in Newfoundland, and I'm super excited to talk about the New Perlican stages. I saw them for the first time last year. So can you describe the stages and kind of like the story behind them? Because it's such a cool place, and they are really beautiful. They, of course, well, a lot of them were always here, but they didn't look like they do now. Um, and there has been an increase in them. I can't tell you how many was here when I came here. Um, well, I started to live here in 1998 and I, I drove back and forth to Bay Roberts with Bank Montreal where I worked. 
And there might have been 12, maybe, at that time, falling down uh, in ill repair. And some had wharves, but no stages. And then, I guess, people just, one person started to do them up. And then in 2008, we started Heritage New Perlican. And we got involved with Heritage Newfoundland Labrador, of course. And the uh, fishing... I forget the name of the program now, but it was revitalization of fishing stages that you could receive up to, if memory serves me correct, I think it was $2,000 per stage to bring your stage back if you had a foundation or somewhat of a presence, you could bring it back to the way it was uh, using old ways of building, like traditional building. So you'd have to cut your wood in the woods and plane it. And there was a lot of, um, of uh, requirements that you had to follow to do it. So we sent that out to all the stage owners and to the general public and whatever. And we had a few phone calls. And some, one guy applied and he got some money and he did up his stage. And then two year, every year we would send it out and I would get a few calls. But somehow or other, most people believe that once they took money from quasi-government, that they would have a hand in their stages or a right to own or, you know what I mean? So we really couldn't get them to bite very much. We did have one other guy and he was, um, he lived in St. John's and he owns a property out here. So we had no problem getting him to apply. But other than that, everybody started building their stages and painting them and calling me and asking me what are the heritage colors you want me to use on my stage like you know it just i don't know and of course we were always encouraging people to to do up their stages and and telling them how nice they were in in various articles and every year at our uh, heritage day which is the second saturday in july we would always talk about the stages and how the work was great that they did. And we were featured in one of the, the very first Newfoundland tourism ad. So, you know, people just jumped on board and, you know, the last one was built last year and it was built from scratch, you know, and, but it was, it, it fits in like all of them kind of fit in. Some of them are built in a new way, but most of them got the, the old wood down on the bottom and the rocks to keep everything in. And, you know, like they're just, people are just doing them up. And if you had waterfront property right now, you'd have no trouble to sell it because everybody wants a stage. They're pretty cool. Cause uh, some yeah. of them have uh, signs, like they have names, uh, flags, like, like you mentioned, they're all different colors. Yeah. I was kind of wondering, like, when this first started, was the colorful kind of part of it and naming it, was that something that people had done, or had this just taken on a life of its own? It, it just took on a life of its own. The first people that did the color, like, whatever color, I can't remember who the first one was, that painted it a little differently, it seemed to catch on, and everybody wanted to do a different color then, and we had the heritage color charts and stuff. So a lot of people would come and see us 
<clears throat> in our heritage office and borrow the color charts and go home and pick a color, you know. So, and we've locked out. There's not many that are the same color. We have maybe two left in the traditional red ochre, which is good. But all the rest are various colors, green, blue, yellow, purple. I mean, you know, all kinds of colors. So the heritage colors are those, I find this kind of interesting and I'm sure you might find it interesting too as an artist. Uh, yeah. Like where do those come from? Do you know? No, all I know is that in the very beginning when we started this, uh, like 2008, 9, 10, 11, in the early years of Heritage New Perlican, uh, we had a color chart come out and it was heritage colors and it was from i don't know benjamin moore or somewhere like that and uh, heritage newfoundland labrador sent it out to us just to use if people were looking for a color to paint something in our heritage district which is the road that the stages are on right and uh, so that's the chart that we said we had when we used to send out the letter every year saying you know you can come for your funding or if you're doing it yourself and you want to see the heritage colors please come and see us and so that's how they they just started picking different colors and like i don't know if we influenced it a bit or if it would have happened anyway i don't know i'd like to think we influenced it but i don't know for sure you know and at 2018 as you know we gave there was uh, 20 stages then. We gave them all the uh, official plaques with their stage names on it. And they seem to be all very proud to display them. Some are on the outside of the stages. Some are on the inside. But they've all accepted them and put them somewhere in, on the stage, right? And they look really nice. Do people still like dry their fish on the stages or is it mostly just like keeping their boats around it in like a little boathouse? They, yeah, they tie up their boats, but in the recreational fishery, I mean, we almost need to close the road because it's so busy down there. People, um, what we call, <laughs> got and clean their fish, split their fish. They got splitting tables on their stages and on their wharf part of the stage and they uh, keep their equipment for doing all that inside their stage and then they take their fish home from there no flakes down there anymore for drying fish people do it at their houses i mean we've got people doing it in various ways some pickle them some hang them under clothesline and with salt and they dry them that way uh, and some have little fl little like flakes but small ones around their property to dry their fish for salting but of course a lot of it is ate fresh and frozen to eat later not as much salting going on as was years ago but my husband always salts some for us and a lot of others do too here still yeah we've got uh, one older fella he's 86 now and he he's he's been hanging his on his clothesline for a while and it's quite nice when you you know when you drive by and they're hanging drying on the clothesline everybody gets a kick out of that but there's few and another guy that i know draw hangs them in his trees in his trees and, yeah yeah i mean i guess it works because the wind you know is blowing them back and forth and and some have their own like miniature flake type things that they dry them on and, and as i say 
others pickle them and they're just put in con uh, containers with salt and pickle and you know mm -hmm. so that's the way it's done and they well they have to salt them and then dry them later in the fall really they're left in salt until until they're ready to start drying them some people don't dry them till november and others start earlier because recreational fishery usually goes from um, the july 1st weekend to september labor day weekend and then there's a week later on in september which is never a good week because that's when we get the tail end of hurricanes so the wind is really bad and not very often do people get much fish that week so it's mostly in the summertime that they get the fishery and i guess you know with the recreational fishery now over the past i don't know how many years it's certainly um that's certainly been a push, I guess, to have their stages up and working and be able to tie their boats on securely, you know. Um, so that's been a, a influence too, I would say. You have a really interesting take on uh, painting the stages. Yeah. Uh, you paint them a lot. It's definitely a scene I've yeah. seen on your artwork. Uh, can you describe that and kind of how that uh, image came to you? I, I like I don't know I had uh, once I saw some a birdhouse done like that and I thought looking at the stages and the and the and the beaches and so on that they're on maybe I could do a version of you know make it like crooked stages first I was doing them straight and then one night I kind of went squishy with it and my husband said you know that looks really nice and it just went from there, right? And uh, I've done, I think, four in this series of crooked stages, you know, crooked stages at low tide, crooked stages on the cliff, crooked stages, you know, at sunset, various things like that. So that's how it happened. They kind of remind me of, um, like, if you look at, like, a reflection in the water. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I think. The elongated. Yeah. Yeah. They do. Yeah. Yeah. They do, don't they? Are there other scenes that you find yourself like uh painting over and over again or or things that you're just very like inspired by living in um New Perlican? Well, yeah, I don't know about New Perlican, but having grown up here, the uh in the area, the old houses like I just love old things so old houses and root cellars and vegetable gardens and icebergs in the background and and icebergs in general and boats like you know they're they're all um, part of my life growing up and now continue to be part of my life now that I'm retired here so there it's it's all about that you know I have whales in some mermaids. I did one, I don't know if you looked at it, it's called uh, The Keeper's Mistress. And it has a mermaid down under a uh, lighthouse. And the lighthouse is where I grew up in Heart's Content. And the cliffs are my interpretation of what they look like. And growing up, there was always a tale told about the mermaids that would be down in the water by the lighthouse so that kind of stuck with me do you know the uh the name of the lighthouse it's just called heart's content lighthouse oh really yeah yeah 
So in addition to your artwork, you also work with the New Perlican Heritage yeah. Society? Yeah, I've been chairperson since it started. We started in 2007, but really we started the committee in 2008. There was only two or three of us at the beginning. And so I chaired the committee up to last year. I finally talked somebody else into taking over the chair and I'm vice chair. I, I said I'd stay vice chair because uh, everything is not always written down. So I have a lot, you know, right here that may not necessarily be known as much to the rest of the committee because I've always been the spoke person and the person who goes and attends all these different events everywhere and you know I've written newspaper articles on the history and things like that so a lot of that is is kind of in my mind and so I stay I said I would never get off the committee as such because the background a lot of them as as the committee changes over the years not everybody knows the exact you know uh, history of the of the committee mm -hmm. I think I'm the only one there now since the very beginning <laughs> right so it's uh, it's something looking for continuity I, 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 I would stay on as long as I can possibly do that and we, our Facebook page has been very successful. I, I guess we're up to probably 900 or more members, and they're from all over the world. So um, Bloody Point is a is a heritage site. Do you know yeah. uh, a little bit about that area? Well, it's it, there was always a light there, and it's a point of land, and they called it Bloody Point because legend has it that the uh the french and english fought there and also that maybe the uh people who came here first the planters might have fought with the natives at the time so i don't know there's been no proof of that but uh, you know they say bloody point because the rocks are red down there but there's a lot of iron of course in our rocks right but you know there's a lot of legend about it but nothing nothing to really collaborate that so, but it's a lookout point and there's a trail that goes through there. People walk and take pictures and it's a great viewing spot because it's on a point of land uh, to watch the whales in the harbor and in the bay. So it's used for that too. It's a dead end, but it is a, like you're looking down on the water, right? We did have a lady here. Her name was Edith Burridge. And, um, Edie's book she wrote a book she called it Edie's book and uh, she had a lot of her own poetry but she also recorded stories about people in the town and events and she did have some ghost stories in there uh, but nothing about Bloody Point but we've used her book for reference purposes for uh, looking up research for various things that we've designated like as in Bloody Point and uh, Jane Condon's headstone, the one that dates back to the 1700s, she actually recorded the uh, every word that was on the stone. And of course, we still have the stone, but it's not very readable. But thankfully, in her book, she had recorded all the inscriptions that were on it, the poetry and everything. 
so she that was a resource for us to go look for things and yeah she has poetry and stories and people being taken away by the fairies from um in berry picking and not coming home for a week and being fine no physical damage and things like that whether they're all true or not who knows what was her story she was from new perlican yeah she grew up here and never left she was a smith and she married a burridge and raised a large family and lived here all her life she was in her 90s yeah uh, were you and involved in the project with the fishing stage in like in the heritage district uh you mean the ones that got the money uh sorry the fishing is it a museum oh the heritage landing yes heritage Landing. yes yes and we have our um fisheries artifacts in there oh yeah yeah i was uh well it was a vision of ours to do something down there so we we were lucky on our committee we have a graphic designer who works in toronto but has a summer house here and we knew what we wanted we wanted sort of a replica stage and uh like looking like the other stages and we wanted to have artifacts in there so she along with michael philpot who i don't know if he's still with heritage newfoundland labrador or not but uh he did the initial kind of quick design and we liked it and then linda took it and did a fabulous job on it and we raised the funds to build it and a, a town gave us the land so we raised sixty five hundred dollars we paid no labor we had all free labor to build it and we didn't pay for the land so we built it for that amount of money because we only paid for materials and we got deals of course on materials because of what we were doing a lot of people of building supplies gave us discounts on things you know so and it's a place that people can just sit we have a couple memorial benches up there we've got a program um that we started we took over from the town or the recreation committee and doing these memorial benches around town and since we took them over i think we've got something like 35 benches um with concrete foundations and wood and each one of them have plaques on them and they're donated in memory of somebody uh, by a family member and they're all over the community so we have two of those down on the heritage landing looking right out on the water and down on the stages it's a beautiful area yeah the heritage landing is a really cool part of new perlican because it's almost like like an open air museum you can come down and see the stages and yeah. just like walk up and see all these artifacts yeah. that uh you know a lot of people uh -oh. in the community donated that were used by a lot of families on it, those actual stages it's pretty cool that's right yeah yeah it was and we we one of the older stage owners here mr petal he built us an actual splitting table which we've put up on the heritage landing and uh so it you know it just fell together and everybody was interested in it and he made a uh, salt fish model and we have that on the side of the building we have an old boat out front we're soon going to have to get a new one because it seems to be rotting away actually 
So that's, uh, you know, our reason was to have something down there with a little bit of history. And we have a beautiful storyboard on there. I don't know if you remember looking at the storyboard, which tells the a lot about the community and its history. And that's on the wall of the Heritage Landing on the outside. Okay, I have, I have a question for you. Uh, what do you think yeah. is a hidden gem of the Backloo Trail or New Perlican? The Backloo Trail itself, I, is, I think, is one of the things, is the hiking trails. There's a lot of hiking trails, and people are into hiking these days. And there, a lot of them are unknown. So we have a lot of hidden gems in hiking that unless you go in the community and ask somebody, where's your hiking trail? You know, they're not well documented. So that's one of the things. And the other thing I think is our coastline. It should be, I've said this at tourism meetings, it should be called Bacaloo Coastal Drive or Coastal something because you don't, when you hear Bacaloo, people who are traveling here don't know what that means. And they don't really know that they're traveling by the water. But if, it's all coastal drive. So if it had Bacaloo Coast or something in there, you know, instead of Bacaloo Trail, it would let people know that there is beautiful views and, and icebergs and cliffs and water everywhere. There's a lot of nature and, uh, and, and beautiful landscapes and stuff that are not known until people come and drive through. And, and there's museums in just about every community. Uh, you know, some are interesting, some are not. You know, there, there's there's all kinds of little quirks about different communities as you go through that you would see that, you know, there's just enough to check this out or check that out. You know what I mean? But it's, it's not all mapped out or anything for people. So it's kind of hit or miss, and we're trying to change that. But it's uh, it's a big job. Thank you for joining us on Hidden Gems of the Backloo Trail, a special series of the Living Heritage Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Dignam. You've been listening to the Living Heritage Podcast, a co-production of Heritage NL and CHMR Radio at Memorial University. You can find previous episodes on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. We're on Twitter at HFNLCA. Do you have a question or a suggestion about an aspect of culture and heritage you want us to explore? Send us your mail and we'll do our best to answer it in an upcoming show. Email us at livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Lache Swing. Thanks for listening. <laughs>